1: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 550. It's Wednesday, July 23rd, and that's preview night at Comic-Con. Uh, I'm going to be missing that tonight. I'm not heading out till tomorrow because uh, we're, doing, we're shooting at midnight tonight with Jonah Kumail and Emily because tonight uh, The Meltdown premieres on Comedy Central. The Meltdown is basically the show that's shot at the Nerdist showroom. At Meltdown Comics uh, every Wednesday, and they and they shot it there. Uh, the show looks fantastic. Um, I did one of the episodes too, but there's a bunch of comics that are relevant to your interests. So tonight, Comedy Central 12:30. Um, after you see Jonah Camille and Emily on uh, at midnight on Comedy Central, I'm so excited for those guys. Uh, so you should watch that show. I think they did. Maybe 10 episodes for the next 10 Wednesdays. Uh, then we're heading to Comic-Con where we're doing... Uh, so here's just a quick rundown of all the places that I'll be um, at Comic-Con. So Friday at noon, I'm moderating the Walking Dead panel, of course. Um, and uh, that panel's going to be fun because we're going to show a bunch of cool stuff um, this year. And uh, then we are doing... Nerdist is doing laser tag at Petco Park. So you should go check that out as well. Then... The Friday night, we're doing an at midnight live at the Balboa Theater. Then Saturday, uh, I'm doing the Warner Brothers panel in the morning at Hall H. Then there's a Nerdist panel at 2:30 in the Indigo Ballroom, and then uh, the Marvel panel in the early evening in Hall H. I'm doing, and then two Nerdist podcasts live: the 10:30 show, I guess, is CM Punk. The seventh uh, that show sold out. 7:30 the show, uh, there's still tickets. It's Michael Rooker and Evangeline Lilly. Uh, then on Sunday. I'm doing uh, the Sesame Street panel, which I am so excited about. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about that one. Uh, I'm excited about all of them, but uh, that was a that request came out of nowhere, and I could not respond yes fast enough. So that's Sunday morning in room six a, and then at noon thirty, we're doing a Sanjay and Craig panel. We're gonna do a couple of live readings of Sanjay and Craig episodes. So very excited about Comic-Con this is, again it's going to be a uh, it's going I don't know how social I'm going to get to be but it doesn't matter because uh, I'm doing a lot of cool stuff so go to Nerdist.com or on the tweets I'll I'll kind of keep updated like what's what but have a great con if you're going which is Guillermo del Toro who's like the greatest guy in the world oh man seriously if you ever get a chance to sit down and have a conversation with Guillermo you should absolutely do it i mean with his permission of course i wouldn't i wouldn't try to Force him into a conversation, but uh, he's such a sweet guy that um, we uh, and I, I. I wanted the podcast to, to go longer, but I ended up. Uh, I had to go to a movie screening. So oh, of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is amazing. You should definitely see Guardians of the Galaxy if you get a chance. Uh, that's awesome too. But um, Guillermo is promoting a Crimson Peak. And also the Book of Life, which looks stunning, and the TV show The Strain, which is on FX. So that's it Crimson Peak, Book of Life, The Strain, Guillermo del Toro, Nerdist Podcast number 550. Start the thing!
0: Now entering Nerdist.com. Uh, yeah, I saw it. Thank you. everyone's been going crazy for
3: Yeah, it's. it's, it's
0: uh, I, I, I know a lot of the people behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. So I know, I know a third version of that story. <laughs> it's a little harder to uh, to say, oh, it's exactly yeah, right. yeah, that. Yeah,
3: yeah. But
0: it's fascinating, eh? Yeah,
3: yeah. I just, like, you know, I like those, I like those movies of, like about people trying. Like, it's like, what was the Las of La Mancha, which oh was... Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, you but... ever see that one? Oh, the Terry Gilliams? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, just, like, those, those things of, like, people just trying so hard to do something, like, special and just getting, you know, circumstances out of their control.
1: I say this all the time. It's a wonder to me that movies ever get made because <laughs> yeah, there's so yeah, many yeah. fail points where it could just, like, oh, that got fucked up or that I, got fucked I, up.
0: I've come to the maximum, and I believe it fully, that the natural state of a movie oh. is not getting made. <laughs> a, that is natural you're state. not wrong the
3: movies will not get made
0: then, then they will ever made. yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like nitroglycerin is not nitro and glycerin like, a, <laughs> like the natural state of it is just
1: but at what yeah. point in a process do you have do you just go well I
0: guess this just isn't gonna work shut this never, down never never until it happens or not you know well
2: yeah what have you been sitting on the longest
0: oh my god well there's some of them actually age yeah you know, like I have projects that are 20 years old wow. that I cannot do anymore because I'm not that guy anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like you go... Mm. It's almost like when you find that haiku poem, that mixtape you did in high school. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> go, yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I did Nazareth and Neil yeah. Diamond? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just down, I down. Are,
0: feel- we, are we on? Yeah, yeah. yeah recording. Oh, when did we start?
1: I don't know. A couple of minutes ago. As soon as he walked okay. in the room.
0: Um, but I also
1: think that it works in the reverse, where sometimes you'll have ideas, but you're too young to make them. And then you get to a certain point where you it, it, they make more sense to you.
0: That has happened to me. And then... I, 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 they don't get made <laughs> yeah. like it happened like one of the oldest is uh, Monte Cristo mm-hmm. which is a, a western uh, gothic western version of the Count of Monte Cristo I wrote it I was daunted by it then I felt I'm ready to do it I couldn't do it I mean and, and like like a fisherman you know every filmmaker the, the greatest one is the ones that get away you know you're yeah. like oh yeah.
2: you should have seen that, <laughs> that
0: fantastic fish it was amazing you know but
1: are you good at um, are you good at being zen about it and going well? I guess this didn't get
0: made for a reason, or no. do you still go? God damn it! No, I I feel gutted and horrified. It's like, I mean, you cannot you can cannot really take it easy. You can take it with some philosophy, and you can say, look, this truly, truly can't happen. Uh, you ha- when you let go, which is rare, you know, is is, is when you when you really go. Your heart, your mind, your God say it's not going to happen. And, but but no, normally it just happens with time. And you drag those projects like uh, like the like the dead donkeys in Buñuel say <laughs> the, the, the donkeys on the piano that the guy is dragging through the ground. You know, it, it, they they weigh very. The ones that don't get made weight heavier on you than the ones you make. Oh, wow,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, because I guess the ones you make you get to express and they 're out there, and then it just gets out of your system, but those are other-
0: look at it if you 're a painter and you never sell a painting in your life, you still have the hope of after twenty years after you die, yeah. someone will find an attic and go, yeah hmm. if you're a poet, same thing if you 're a filmmaker you- <laughs> You're not going to go, somebody's going to open a closet and go, wow, there are all these giant uh, movies that nobody <laughs> yeah. ever
3: saw, you know? Just yeah, reels of film. This yeah, guy yeah, must have yeah. shot everything. And they're all
0: just Glenn or Glenda. <laughs> <all just laughs> like, you know,
3: that's when you find stuff. Well, that,
0: the, the, beauty, the, beauty, the beauty of that biography is that uh, Ed Wood's widow, and, and I found it really moving, is after he passed, uh, they interviewed her for one of the obituaries. And she said, uh, with absolute conviction and great emotion, the world has lost a genius. And you and you can absolutely see that being a true statement, and how in, in in their in their relationship and the marriage, we all kind of live in that bubble, right? I mean, to some yeah.
3: degree. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think you have to. There's a, when you're in a relationship, you kind of have to celebrate their stuff, absolutely. and, get, and you, you become like you know you have to, and that's why you like you know you see you know couples that are like that couple is crazy, like they're both yeah. crazy because yeah. they live in that bubble of rea- that That's reality. a blessing. You can, yeah, just, yeah. you can
2: just say Randy Quaid. It's fine.
3: What was it? The star fucker? Was it uh,
2: the Hollywood know. star killer? Fucker? I just remember him coming in right when that was happening. He came into the Apple store when I was working there to have me erase his computer.
3: Oh, wow. <laughs> like, with a
2: real crazed look in his eyes. And I was like, yeah, yeah no problem, Randy so Quaid. So you backed it up on a flash drive, there, right? <laughs> and then erased it? Yeah, he put out a single. It was a,
3: the worst song all about how like uh, everyone's trying to kill celebrities. Man, just Star Whackers. That was Star Star Whacker. Whackers. yeah. And it's like kind of like this real jaunty punk song, and it's completely obviously Randy Quaid just coked up and is like, the Star
2: <laughs> Whackers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're coming to get you,
3: Canada's own Randy Quaid. So how, yeah. many, how many
1: how many projects do you have bouncing around at various stages right now?
0: Well, the, the, look. The reality is that uh, I have uh, the the ones that are active, real active, and as soon as they become. Uh, real and they're going to happen. You commit to them. And the ones that you're developing, and developing means, can mean you have a writer working on it. Mm-hmm. You have a writer working on it. You are designing. You designed it. I mean, it means it's so, so when, when you have a list, is truly something it's like a rosary of some things that are active and others are not. It's Just the wait, stations the of the cross. Big, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, I mean, no, but, but the th- funny thing is, everybody really operates that way. Uh, for whatever reason, I, mine become public. Yeah. You know, but it's is a uh, you know you have to know that uh, out of five things you have, or more, out of ten things you have, one is gonna hit, one is gonna really get made, and and sometimes the most unexpected one is the one that happens. But it's such a it, it, with film, there's such a you have to be so patient
1: because it's such a it's such a shitty long process. It is that you can't. It's sort of, you know... That's why it's fun to make stuff on the internet. Like, hey, you want to shoot a thing? Great. We shot it. Okay, done. We just put it up tonight. You know, even with, even with television, it'll take like a year or two to get something on the air. But movies, like you said, 20 years, 5, 10... 5, five 10 years is not really an uncommon... No, it's
0: not uncommon. I mean, uh, when, you, when you think about it, uh, with Crimson Peak, for example, which I finished, mm-hmm. is, it took uh, six, uh, eight years. Wow. Uh, Devil's Backbone, 13 uh, and you keep going. Chronos, eight or nine, you know, and it, it is not uncommon. And then uh, the, the day comes when you shoot the scene. Uh, like I remember in Chronos, I wrote a scene that was my favorite scene in the movie, uh, and it's not in the film. And I came home that night to my wife, and and, and I started just getting nuts, and she said, "What? What happened?" I says, "I just shot the scene that I dreamt for the longest," and. I ruined it. Uh-huh. It's not gonna work, and I don't have the money, nor the time, nor a strategy to reshoot it. So I, mean, I knew it was lost. Well, first of all, what
1: scene was it, and how did you ruin it?
0: It was it was a scene. It was the first day we were trying to make up effects on the on the actor, and the shade of color was too too pink. I knew it when he entered the set, and he got the the blue light on his face. It popped, and I said, "It's gonna look terrible. I cannot use it." But uh, but the scene was uh, when, I don't know if you remember the movie, but the the undead guy, the vampire, Jesus, Jesus Grace, Jesus Grace, comes back and tries to touch his wife, tries to caress her face, and and, and he can't because for her, he's dead. Mm-hmm. So he cannot wake her up. He cannot talk to her. So he falls asleep in the rug next to the bed and, and leaves at dawn, and he does that every night and and i found it very touching very beautiful but it was pink <laughs> so, and i and i knew we couldn't go back uh, the makeup was the first time they applied it they went 4 hours over time oh, wow. it was a
1: disaster yeah. and so how do you you live with it you do have to live with it right well
0: you live with it because uh then then you know the scene that you you thought you were going to shoot in a hurry becomes great and the thing, it, it happens it just uh, when when it's sort of a uh, you, part of the material that molds a movie is the unexpected. And yeah, it, it really... You can, you can be fascinated endlessly by the making of, and you, people can talk about endlessly about the, ma- the, the storyboarding, but the real fascinating factor for me is the unexpected. When the ray of light hit the wrong way and it hit uh, somebody in the face and it lit it. And that's the real magic of film. When you capture the things that you didn't expect that they were going to happen. But you have to, be,
1: you have to be not rigid. You have to be open to seeing. Like some, some people maybe aren't necessarily as flexible right? Mm-hmm. because it all has to be this exact way. Well, you,
0: I, you, I think you prepare a lot. You prepare obsessively in order to be open to the unexpected. Yeah, you know i think that that's that's really what you ultimately you go in with a battle plan at least i do and you go in you know exactly what you want and then if something different happens you go you recognize it but it, it comes with with time i think other people go in and they literally say let's see what happens mm-hmm. you know and they can spend the whole morning rehearsing and then they go let's do it this way and that's a Another valid way of working. How do you work before? Like, do you
1: do you have the actors rehearse a lot before you go in to shoot, or do you...
0: depends on the scene. Like, for example, uh, if it's a very very tense or delicate scene, I show up one uh, one hour before them. They show up an hour or two before the crew. I've been there now one hour. Mm-hmm. I I'm, ultimately I'm three hours before anyone is there, and I rehearse with them without anyone there. Not even the ad, not even the cinematographer. Sometimes the cinematographer and the ad. I, I see them do it. We we exchange. What if we do it this way? Well, and then uh, I revise my storyboards according to what happened on that rehearsal. Oh, wow. That's, That's the best. Good. Yeah. yeah. Or, or you if the actors are there for weeks, you can do it in advance. And depends on the movie, you know. The, some movies you only build a third of a set. Right. So you cannot kind of say, "Let's go over here." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't have the rest of the set. Right, yeah.
1: right. and then uh, when so by the time so like with Packrim. What was, what was that like going into when you first started shooting? Were you? I mean, everything, I would imagine at that point, because there's so much, yes. everything's on such a large scale that you have to have everything really locked
0: down by the well, time you You, you, you literally are, have the actors tied, and they, they, are, they, are, they are screwed to the machine. So they are, and so, you know, for example, when I was going to shoot Back I I made it a point when we were shooting the compound, the, the, the control room for the pilots, I, I watched uh, a lot of uh, movies that happened on like radio stations, let's say talk radio, Oliver Stone, which is an incredibly kinetic movie of a guy sitting behind a desk. And I was trying to bounce off of that, almost like a ping pong saying, oh, he did this. Oh, he used a long lens, oh, so he used a dolly here. And, and say, I can do my version of that. Obviously, I don't use the same tools, but I came up with the way of shooting the compound efficiently. Yeah. Uh, after watching four or five movies, I, I said, oh, this is a good idea. What if we do this? We did it with two hotheads on each side, on two cranes on each side, uh, covering at the same time 45 degrees. That gave me the mo- most flexibility. Then another pass on a bungee, blah, 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 blah. You know? So what's your favorite
1: part of it? Is, it? is it getting performances out of actors, or is it, is it doing something that's technically... Different, like you said, you know, finding a shot or trying a new shot, or like, what, what's your favorite part?
0: Well, yeah, the, the, my favorite part is—is is, uh, I mean, I am—I am. I am uh, it depends on the genre of the movie. Like, if if it's Crimson Peak, is working with the actors mm-hmm. and and doing the scene again and again and finding the nuance and discovering and actors getting excited and so forth. If it's a, a movie that is driven by and I'm not. I don't mean digital effects or makeup effects. An effect, like a cinematic effect. I love finding that. Like uh, uh, when when the little girl hides in the alley in Pacific Rim, and we have all the cars and the set rigged on a hydraulic, so that every time the kaiju takes a step, the whole set bounces. I kind of giggle at that. <laughs> like I go, wow, we the whole set just jumped. Yeah. You know, it it it, it depends. I I think. I enjoy most of my my work. I mean I enjoy my job, my my day. I show up early because I I can't wait to be there. I
1: would imagine that you I, I don't know how anyone could direct a film if they didn't like directing because it's I mean it it literally is all of your energy for a long period of time. And yeah. you can't you can't really. It's not like you. It's not like you hang your hat up at the end of a day and then like, well, I'm gonna go home and forget about all that. Like you, it just doesn't <laughs> stop.
0: No, I can't imagine it either. I mean, uh, to me, it's, it's not a date; it's a marriage. And I, I, I always say you can't fuck without a boner, right? <laughs> you you can't. And so so, but a, lo- a lot of people a lot of people. Uh, uh, if you are an itinerant director, you need to direct something. Um, by means of necessity, then you, you need to find the things in it that excite you. Yeah. You need to find... What I think is, is the worst thing that can happen is when you have a job, uh, it's, it's your duty to find something that is exciting about it. I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, I, I sold newspapers, I painted the highway lines... One summer in Wichita, Kansas, oh, wow. with a machine, all those lines in the freeway, yeah, just saw the a white line. The
3: movie Prince so so, guys that,
0: I, I did that over the summer. And there was always a factor that I go, like back then in the summer, I was 200 pounds lighter. And <laughs> yeah. I said, well, I'm going to get a six pack and a 10. <laughs> <laughs> and I got both for the only time and in my I, life. <laughs> you know, so I said, but, but you have to find something that it doesn't matter. There's no, no job. Uh, if you 're in a postal office or you 're a waiter, whatever you can find uh, like I wrote most of the ideas about vampiric lore while I was working in a real estate office, really previous to chronos yeah i was i, I would I would get there at seven, open the the how they call it, the model home, mm-hmm. and I would sit waiting for clients with the pamphlets, and I was reading and reading and reading and taking notes in my notebook all day long. A client showed up. I was happy to tend him because I was reading about the Strigoi in Eastern Europe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as soon as they left, I went back uh, from talking about the tiles. That's that really fun. We're here to look at the house. Would you like to hear about my vampire <laughs> lore? <laughs> you know, we're gonna go. Um, we're good. Have you heard about the penangling <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you know. <laughs> so no, was it, that was that was that lore sort of where you drew for Blade Two. Oh uh, yeah, for for yeah. for it's all interconnected because uh, when 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 we did Blade the 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 Reapers and the the way they were described before I came on board were completely different. They were described basically like the shapeshifters, okay, like John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. Like they would grow a mouth in the arm and the arm would project and it would be like a tentacle and then another head would pop out of the shoulder. And I read it, first of all, I read it and, 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 and then I talked to the studio and they told me the budget and I said, okay. <laughs> so, first of all, we can't afford it. Second of all, I have these ideas for vampires that could work, you know, and, and, and I brought a lot of the biology, the, the mouth, the transformation, blah, blah, blah. But, but uh, the same were in Kronos. Uh, you know, I originally I had a very small sort of a bee stinger mm-hmm. under the tongue of Jesus Gris. And Kronos, after using the device, that connected him to the insect and the Kronos device. that He opened his mouth and he saw a little stinger come out from under his tongue. So, you know, these ideas have been there for ages.
1: Well, it seems like you like to put as much biology or, or even science and just like, you know, with Packer. And you're like, well, we wanted to make sure the physics of the of the Jaegers the, 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 the made sense and the, the Kaiju yeah. made sense as opposed to... You know, we just let the special effects guys figure it out. You're like, you know, we really no. want to make sure that the biology works and the science is all too solid. It, it, it is, and
0: and and uh, in my case, when people say, "Oh, it's an effects this or an effects that," that's I'm I'm directing that. Like we, we talked about this uh I think last time is I direct the animated scenes in Pacrim with the same degree of precision and specificity that I would direct an actor and a cameraman, you know. You go, this is what I want, you're gonna do this, this gesture is not right, let's change the angle, let's change the light, blah blah blah. But but the main thing about what you were saying is uh I have this truly perverse fascination with how things work. And being biological or mechanical. I always, I always say, uh, Jim Cameron says, there's not an autopsy that, <laughs> that you don't like. You know, like every, <laughs> e- almost every movie I do yeah. has an autopsy scene. True. But in my mind, when you see it, uh, there's nothing more powerful in cryptozoology mm-hmm. than when you find a dead animal. If you find a de- a, a, the carcass of a chupacabra, yeah. or the carcass, <laughs> it's because it was alive. So to me, the forensic aspect of this lends credibility to the creation of the creature. You know, if you, if the Jaegers get hit and, and a piece flies and you see all the pneumatic tubes and you see all the, all the pistons that were pushing, it it gives it an aura of credibility as opposed to what does it look like? I I don't know. In the same way that I think when you were creating makeup effects, you needed to know anatomy. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to sever a neck and see a bunch of plastic refuse and a lot of red than to see the the, the aorta or the, the, the veins or the trachea or, you know.
1: Yeah. So do you, when you come off a movie like Pat Graham you, is your first thought, I just want to direct like a small... Type of you know like a people drama with no effects. Well, what
0: happens is what happens is that uh, I, I really uh, you you really just go to what you gravitate towards. You know that's why I don't get involved with properties I don't. I'm absolutely passionate about. But what is exactly that you're going to direct? Uh, you don't really know. Like like coming out of um, Pac Rim, I made it a point to say, okay, I've just made the the largest movie I've done. Let me do the strain which is. A tight budget, yeah. a tight schedule, and just do it. Because otherwise, you you get spoiled about oh, I can only do it if you give me X amount of money. And the same is uh, producing, producing Mama or producing the Orphanage or Julia's Eyes. You do it for a number, and you just keep yourself jumping from one side to the other.
1: So, when you're involved in a project like on a produce on a producerial level, like with the strain, so how, what is your involvement? at that
0: point well uh, specifically on the strain obviously I directed the pilot co-wrote the pilot uh, dabbled on all the screenplays that, that you see in the series I supervised every single uh, BFX that you see in the entire series I supervised and helped create the way we were going to execute every makeup effect in the whole series I color time I do the final color timing on all the episodes mm-hmm. you're going to see wow. in the series Uh I, people get amazed at how fast I react to dailies or edits. Like you send me an edit, and about two hours after you send me the edit, you'll have all my notes. Oh, all right. I make it a point to 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 do it that way. And and dailies next day I visit the set and I talk to the actors. Episodes I'm not directing. I say uh, it was fantastic that scene, great take on number seven. So I, I'm I'm very involved because. I feel that, uh, when, when I was a kid and I would read that somebody I liked did something, I would buy it expecting to find that that person was invested in that book or comic. Right. And it was very disappointing when you got the sense that that person had not done it.
1: They just put their name on it.
0: They just put the name on it. Yeah. And, and I, only one time I've, I've uh, produced a movie and named to help the director that was a splice for Vincenzo Natale. Mm-hmm. You know, where I, I loved it. I said, just do whatever you want to do. Uh, we'll raise the money, but that's it. I didn't have to be involved from the moment we did the screenplay. The rest of the, of the projects I produce, I produce in, in a very, very, very real way. It can go from screenplay. Or it can go all the way to me being on the mixing stage or on the color correction suite with the directors and so forth. So where do you find time to, to just watch things and
1: enjoy them as a fan?
0: You know, I don't know, but I do. I mean, like, yeah. like uh, what I what I do is that if if things don't hook me, I don't continue with them. I, in that sense, uh, it's not that I'm impatient. I watch. Everybody can love a show, and I see almost every pilot of everything that gets made. But if it doesn't grab me, I don't go to episode two or episode three unless it it hooks me. So there are many, many series that the fans like that I have seen only one chapter or two of. And there are others that I've seen in their entirety.
1: Do you have to schedule time to do that or do you just mash it in between everything else?
0: I I watch, uh, basically I watch a movie every day, for sure. And I watch at least one or two episodes of TV every day. I, I read comics very selectively. Like that, for example, I'm not up to speed. I'm up to speed with the dark universe of 54, <laughs> the new 54 on DC. I'm up to speed with people that, fortunately for me, the guys I like are very slow. <laughs> they are underground cartoonists like Jim Woodring, Robert Crumb, Richard Corbin. They are not very prolific. They put a comic <laughs> book every X number of months, and, and I can keep up with them. And the rest, I really am completely ignorant about uh about the, the general, I don't know who is the latest um, Iron Man or who is the latest uh, foe of uh, Green Lantern. I mean, I am... They're I'm all not, now. That's what's they, happening. They are, yeah. <laughs> or zombies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but you are select, you like go selectively. You, you can get into a funk and say, I'm going to read, uh, like, for example, Familiar, as you said, with, a, with an obscure painter mm-hmm. for a particular project and you go into that track for a while.
1: Yeah, Did, was it you that told me that, that people were getting freaked out by the worm coming out of the eyeball with the strange? on the, on
3: the billboard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. yeah they, they, I those... see so many tweets of people just going, "Come on,
1: I don't need <laughs> It's yeah. so visceral, just like right out of the white part of the bottom yeah. of the eyeball. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. better than through the pupil. Yeah, yeah I guess that's yeah. true. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, the, the, the reality is, I find I find uh, most other commercials more shocking. Beer commercials, the other <laughs> yeah. commercials, I find them much more much more morally. Ambiguous for me you know? yes
1: I, I would agree with you I
0: think this is a truth in advertising yeah. <laughs> you know be, between between a testosterone oriented uh, volleyball beer commercial or yeah. a worm in the eye i 'll take the worm
1: well it's just it 's so i mean it do, was that, is that something that you oversaw in terms no. of no no
0: no campaigns most of the time campaigns don't go through directors you know you how you make your movie what movie you make and what movie they sell if you if you are blessed with the fact that the marketing people are selling the same movie you made it's great but sometimes you see that they're selling a different movie than you made and you are basically you know you can unless you are a 800 pound gorilla that can slam the fist and say you're going to sell it the way i see it it's uh, you kind of do what you can,
1: and if that does happen, you are you able to do you are you able to write it off, or do you?
0: No, it's painful when that happens. It, it, it's painful when that happens as director. It's painful when that happens as producer. I mean, I don't think you can see with indifference uh, the the flaming of two years of your life or three years of your life yeah. or more with any patience. You know, you it's not. I don't live to generate uh a daily content or a weekly content i basically am living to generate little milestones of my life you know and, and you cannot see oh there goes my 15 my my uh, 15th anniversary i mean you mm-hmm. you simply you simply cannot be at, at ease with that but but you you need to know how much you can do And who is your partner, you know?
1: That's why it would draw. that. But besides the fact that I don't think I could direct anything ever, uh, that it would, that the fact that you have to rely on so many different people and people that you don't know to handle the thing that you made and also present it to people in a certain way like that, that would draw. that. I I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to deal with that. That part of it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's it's really frustrating. and, And when you see, you know, when you see a good movie, um, That goes ignored or that, for example, when you produce in Europe, I do produce in Europe uh, a movie that I like a lot, like Julia's Eyes. And then it gets released so tiny in America, tiny, tiny, like literally uh, same day on VOD or, you know. Right. And and it pains you because you say, well, this movie, but eventually, I think in my experience, eventually the movies used to, I don't know if that's true anymore, they used to find their audience. Like uh, a movie of mine that was unleashed in 13 theaters when it came out in America was Devil's Backbone. Mm -hmm. Still one of my favorite movies I've done. And eventually it finds its audience.
1: I think definitely, I mean, I think it's probably, I think it finds its audience better now than it did, you know, 15 years ago. Because, I mean, but but I went to, you know, I went, uh, I was, the other night I just wanted to watch a random horror movie, just for for no reason other than I Mm -hmm. just wanted to watch a horror movie. And I went onto the iTunes horror page and I was like, what the fuck are any of these? Like I didn't recognize. Like there's this whole just like glut of you know mm-hmm. kind of low budget horror movies. It always
2: has been. No, oh, I know, yeah. but but yeah, I mean, but yeah.
1: it. But now, like I, I mean, I literally didn't recognize. Now he
2: has access to them, which he the, didn't Yeah, before.
1: I didn't recognize any any of them. Like
0: I have no idea. What What is funny is that just as there were a glut, uh, some uh, glut of. Uh, Super cheap gore, uh, super hardcore, brutal B movie, and now there are some. And there's a glut of uh, uh, B mumblecore horror. There's, yeah. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. there's a glut of zombie. There's a glut. There is just different types of glut. But yeah. out of those things, some some interesting stuff comes out. You know, and yeah. and I try to watch as much as I can of those. Same thing, ten fifteen minutes, it gets me. I watch it all the way, and I watched. That's how I found sometimes directors that I want to produce or that I want to yeah. see what they direct next or, you know, it's really good. Yeah, that, that's
1: a really great – I never thought about it. For some reason, I always just think if I sit down to watch this, I have to watch the whole thing. It honestly never occurred to me that I could just turn it off after yeah. 15 minutes because I always feel like, no, if I watch this, I got to stick it out. Like I'm a, I'm a person that will I – will, I will stick something out until the very end in hopes that it will pay off. And a lot of times it doesn't always pay off. And <laughs> So I go, well, I don't have time. Well, you
0: you can do it. You can certainly do it. Also, uh, uh, but but if you're taking if you're taking a, a literally a, a, a shoot at something that you don't know if it's good or not, uh, you know, you you don't watch like that when when it's a filmmaker you know uh, to some degree. Like you say, well, this filmmaker I like the first movie. You stick to it until the end. But if you're literally seeing it for the first time. Uh, you can you can take that if there's something interesting there was alec alec baldwin said to me a term that i that i love he says there are some movies that are one sock movies so what do you mean he says you're going out you're putting your socks on <laughs> you, you have one sock in one sock on your hand and you stop and you say honey I, i'm on my way just let me watch a little yeah. more <laughs> there, are some, so there <laughs> are some of those there uh, are some of those in in the v movie realm that you, that you end up uh, enjoying, you know, and discovering... i found 10, 15 movies in horror uh, through just random random st- stumbling onto them,
3: you know? Yeah, it's fun. I remember, like, you know, going to the video store and, you know, like, you go... The horror sections were always the biggest sections yes. out of any video store and just... You know, tape after tape, and you would always just go based off of the artwork, yeah. which, uh, like, in the, you know, 80s, uh, Slasher <laughs> and stuff, uh, never seemed to have anything to do. <laughs> yes. and it's like they just found a really cool artist, and yes. like, in this movie's kind of about, like, a monster guy. They're like, oh, yeah, I got <laughs> it. And then you just go watch it, and you see a movie like uh, Judgment Night, yes. which yes. isn't the one I'm – not the one with Emilio Estevez, but right. there's, a, there's another one that I can't find. I can't find. I've been looking for it for years, but it's called Judgment Night. These two guys – in uh, South America that come across the town of Santana uh, right when it happens to be the night that hell visits every year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, And you've not been able to find it since? have you been able to find it since. Have you the asked the internet? Up, were, right? you,
0: were you under the effects of any hallucinogenic?
3: No, no. I was a kid. And I, was, I got dosed by my parents. But you
2: think you have the name wrong, maybe?
0: Could be. It could could be. be.
3: But I've like, put in like the synopsis. I can't
0: find it. That, 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 hap- that happened to me with a novel... That I thought I heard Stephen King recommend one day, <laughs> and it's it, I, I can't find it. It's a novel called Asylum, and and it was probably by the wrong writer. I was writing everything he was saying, and I haven't been able to find oh, it. No. I found three or four Asylums, but they're not we the one. Just ones. call him and ask him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> you remember that interview in the. Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs>
1: yes. I remember it all. Are you are you able to watch as as just a, a layperson, or do you watch? Are you watching as a director when you're watching a movie?
0: Well, the, the worst time to watch any movie is when you're shooting, because then you notice everything. Sure, you know, you go, oh, they 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 caught. Oh, they're using a oh, twenty-seven. <laughs> you know, you you notice everything. But when you're not shooting, yes, you can you can get uh, enraptured. By a movie like anybody else, you know.
1: What do you think a movie should like? If you know, as an, audience, I'm, I, as an audience member, I'm going to see a movie. Like, what do you what do you think is the ideal takeaway? Like, what do you what do you think what do you want people to take away from a film?
0: Well, you, you know, that, that's hard to answer. In, in in the short term, obviously, you want people to have a scene, a moment, or the entirety of this of the movie that they take with them and they say this was fantastic but some movies grow into you, you know, like like a lot of the movies I grow to love I hated the first time I saw mm-hmm. them. or I saw I, th- I thought what a terrible movie yeah. but they stay with you and then you find yourself thinking about them mm-hmm. and you revisit them and you go so sometimes sometimes that, especially in the genre in horror mm-hmm. you know uh, and that's my uh, like you, I will not name which movies specifically because each one has their own a taste in horror but you can see a horrible terrible horror movie with two or three moments that are just great yeah and then you go back and eventually you you get into the groove and you know the, the movies change with you
3: yeah and also sometimes movies have to like you know you bring like your own shit to a movie yeah. but like sometimes a movie's got to teach you how to watch it Yes. It's like, and you have to be ready for the rhythm and the style that the movie's going to give you, as opposed to, like, you know, you expecting the movie to be a certain way. Like yeah. that, that one movie, um, Adventureland, uh, which was like, I, like, you know, the trailer, what I thought the movie was going to be was this kind of, like, summer comedy by these people working at a shitty uh, amusement park. Mm-hmm. But it's like, a, it actually turns out it's like a coming of age, like, a dramedy uh, with, like, a lot of serious tones. And I didn't realize that until, like, halfway through. The whole time I'm watching the movie going like, it's like, you know, all these jokes are falling pretty flat. Mm. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's why in some movies, some movies you you get second, third, fourth time. I mean, uh, yeah. even if you, uh, sometimes you can catch them with one sock in your hand for the third time and you get them just then. You know, it's, it's quite fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I Music mean, I just kind of like that too.
1: I just had that with, because I, yeah. I just had that with Boyhood. Uh-huh. Where I watched it And I was like Nothing happened You know Like I watched it yeah. And the movie is a, is Structured in such a way That I think I may have told you This Jonah But yeah. you can't You have no idea When the movie's gonna end Because there's There's no like Traditional act structure In so anyway. it It's like Well this could go on Like we could follow This kid to 40 Like we have I have no idea Where it's gonna wrap That's up a sequel And then <laughs> and it just ends And uh, And when I watched it I was like Man, nothing, nothing really happened. But I, I thought about it for like four days after I saw the movie, just like replaying it in my head. So does that mean that I loved the movie or that it affected me? You know, like it It just—I couldn't stop thinking of. No, I know, but I mean, I, I, you know, it was not when I left. I was like, I don't know what I was supposed to take away from that, and yet I I thought about it for like four days afterwards.
0: I I remember. I mean, it, it happened to me early on with the coins where I would come out of the movie and go, oh, I don't know, like Barton Fink. Uh I saw it and I thought, ah, it's very obscure, very arcane. Then I I worked with Miramax and I understood the entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I came back and I go, I love it and I know those guys. And and it's it's one of my favorite movies of them. Uh, uh, It happens with movies that play by their own rules and... Marketing, word of mouth, whatever it is, makes you expect something else. Like uh, the people that came to me saying, I thought Pants Labyrinth was a a fantasy and I hated it because you had violence. I go, all right. Now, but now that you know it has violence, maybe watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, sometimes you 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 people need the movie to speak in their own in its own terms. Yeah, and you discover it a second time.
3: Exactly, like it kinda, you know, the kids in the hall movie, Brain Candy. You know, mm-hmm. when I was going to see that movie, I wasn't expecting like a really artfully done. You're expecting like, 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 <laughs> like, like yeah. you're expecting more like sketches and comedy. Yeah, like exactly. That. But like, uh, and then I didn't really like it when I saw it. And then like the like, but you know, you kind of also experiences in your own life. Uh, or just like when you come become more aware of uh, you know film in general, like you like I, then you understand movies better. Like you know like watching a romantic comedy about like maybe like a couple trying to work it out. As a kid, you don't get it. You're laughing at it. You kind of get it, but like but then you actually start going through those experiences, and you can actually go back to movies yeah. with an understanding of how you know the world works a little better. That's that's another thing. Like I've gone back to movies I thought were just okay, and now I'm like, oh, now I get it.
1: Yeah, War of yeah. the Roses probably wasn't a great movie for twelve year olds.
3: So I remember loving it. I, I really, love that yeah. I yeah.
1: movie. I love that movie. Yeah, exactly. I love
0: that movie. But you, you know, like, like you have, uh, you have also with horror, it happens with people like Fulci. You know, like mm-hmm. a lot of people. Uh, uh, the more you watch Fulci, for example, the more you appreciate things that he does again and again and again or do his touch and you get to acquire that taste and then you're like you you have a bias for yeah. <laughs> you you have a, a proclivity for Fulgi <laughs> and then you adore him and then you and then you can defend not only like them but defend them articulately to someone and say look the, the guy is completely cohesive in what he does
3: yeah that's very true like when people say best of about uh, um, you know Romero or like, mm-hmm. it's like they, like you know, when they, when Land of the Dead came out and people were like, they're, you know, they're using guns, they're using tools, and, like, you know, the zombies are, you know, they're, you're like, well, you know, the first, the first movie, Night of Living Dead, like, the first zombie you see picks up a rock to smash a window
0: the in. Window. It's like he set it, he set up all that stuff. Plus, plus he, that's like getting angry with Henry Ford because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't put an AMF ray, FM radio. I mean, he invented the goddamn thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah.
1: He invented the fake thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> he, made, he invented zombies. Yeah, yeah. yeah the and way so we know them. You Wait, sort of ghouls. Yeah,
1: but it is kind of funny that that an audience will take ownership over something yep. that is beyond you and go. I mean, you see, like, I think George Lucas is the perfect example of the guy who completely lost the thing that he created to the world. And they're like, you can't do that. And he's like, I fucking made it up. I can probably <laughs> do whatever I want. You didn't make it up. I made it up. You don't know
3: these people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did uh, for the extended universe.
1: Like, yeah, 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 but I did, you know, a lot of this came from up
3: here. Right, right Sorry I didn't know what you wrote down in your diary as a kid. Sorry I didn't make that one.
0: Uh, I mean, no, but so- that, that, that's, uh, that, that happens with very rare movies that then become... Uh, a part of the culture, you know? right? And then they become part of the culture as much as they could be, yours. But I think that also, you know, as frustrating as it might
1: be, as the, as the creator, that it's probably you do have to recognize, like, oh, I think I made something special. Like, if someone wants to take ownership over something and tell you how it is, then it obviously affected them in a certain yeah. way, yeah. and so ultimately, you did your you did your job.
0: Yeah, and and and, and movies, uh, people think that they exist. Uh, exist more objectively than a book, let's say. But they are not. They, the, uh, uh, any person reading a book has a version of the book that is different from yours. And the same happened with a movie. Just because they are uh, consolidated images and sound doesn't mean that their dialogue with you is not equally personal. Like The the movie that you hate for these reasons are the movies that I love for those exact right. reasons. So they're incredibly personal. They're, I've come to believe that you can't argue you can argue technically but you cannot argue the the merits of a movie any more than you can uh, defend one religion over the other that that religion is kooky, really let me tell me what your religion is composed of. <laughs> tell me the basic tenets of your religion well you see let's see if it's came down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or somebody floated over water i mean ultimately the 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 the, the, the Components of a religion it may sound crazy to you. But that sounds perfectly. Have you ever Have you somewhere. ever come out of a
1: project and changed your idea of what you thought it was that it meant? Like, have you you kind of go in with an idea, like, oh, I'm making this kind of a story, and then when you see it, you go, oh, no, actually, I think I was making this, and I I guess my I didn't realize it at the time.
0: Well, it happens during the shoot, uh, very very pointedly. You know, you you during the shoot you start seeing what what happens, and then you start. Uh, Changing and accommodating things that you didn't see originally, I mean, that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you I don't think you land way on the other side of a mark. You land within degrees yeah. uh, of a mark. I don't, I don't think you go... It ended up being a musical or something. You know? <laughs> I don't know what happened. No, yeah, All know. of a sudden, the Jaegers People, just started
1: dancing. It doesn't right. make yeah. any sense. It just
3: look cool. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, there is... I, I always kind of wonder... Sometimes when I feel like I try to over-engineer things, like I really want it to mean this, or I really want this joke to mean this, it it's usually a lot better if I go, eh, fuck it. This is just a fun thing to do, you know, as opposed to trying to trying to micromanage how the audience is going to take it.
0: Well, there is that. That's the thing with the with film. There is such an enthronement of the myth of the all-controlling entity. I mean, the the guy that most embodies that is Kubrick, you know. And and then when you really listen, talk meet or read about the closest collaborators he had, you still see that he was struggling with what he wanted and what was offered to him by chance. And sometimes he could find the take by doing it 95 times uh, and then saying, that's what I wanted. Or sometimes, you know, he was at the mercy of an explosion gone wrong. Or uh, And I always quote this anecdote of um, uh, Kirk Douglas' uh, Hurt himself while they were shooting either uh, Paths of Glory or Spartacus, and Kubrick sent him a little message saying, "Could you stay down another week or two? I'm figuring out the movie." Oh, and this yeah. is the this is the man that most embodies the myth of the ever all-knowing creator. And the more you work on it, the more you find out that movies have speak to the people doing them, and and the unexpected has. Is a real force in the way movies get shaped at the end of the day.
1: So what's something... What's what's kind of your favorite unexpected thing that happened that ended up becoming like, oh, this was a...
0: Well, again, going to Devil's Backbone, which is one of the movies I love the most, uh, for me, one of the things I love is the ending. Uh, the very ending was supposed to continue for another two, three minutes, and it was supposed to go on uh, to four, five more shots. It was the end of the day, the worst day of the shoot, we, I had shot that, in the afternoon after lunch, I had shot uh, Jacinto, the bad guy, stabbing the the girl, and now we had run, and we were shooting the ending, and that morning we had shot another part of the explosion, so it was a crazy, crazy day, and I saw the the shot, the single shot that is in the movie, which is the kids walking away and the silhouette of the professor against the landscape, and I just turned to Navarro, to Guillermo, the cinematographer, and I said, that's it. That's the end. We don't have to shoot all the other stuff, all the other dialogue, all the other uh, points of view. That's it. Do you and, think
3: that was fatigue,
0: maybe? <laughs> no, 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 no. You have a clarity. Like Another thing that happened on that movie is the bomb, uh, when it falls on the ground, uh, It was it was meant to stay vertical, but the cable snapped... Okay. And it started going sideways, and I fortunately had shot it in a way that allowed me to to keep it that way. And then we made it incline uh, in the next shot that we did. We put a hydraulic, made it go sideways, and that became a better image.
2: Huh.
0: You, know, so you never know. Yeah. So,
1: why was that? What 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 particularly about that film was why was that your favorite? It's
0: not it's not uh, my only favorite. Like uh, right now, I'm crazy in love with Crimson Peak. Pan's Labyrinth, that one, and crazy enough, Pacific Rim, you know, I'm, I'm mad in love with those, and, uh, and but what happened is, it was, I consider Devil's Backbone my first movie, because Kronos uh, is what I could do with the first time, the first time at the bat, you know, I see only the things that I didn't do well, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it was such a difficult experience <laughs> that I didn't get to enjoy it, you know, and then Devil's Backbone was the first time I felt I was in control, and I, I had enough uh, craftsmanship, if you would, to to tell the story the way I wanted. So it became, to me, it was my first movie.
1: And before that, was it just that you sort of, you felt like you lacked the influence with the studios you were working with?
0: No, no, no. Like in Chronos, there was no studio. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's like trying to sketch a beautiful painting with a train chasing you down the track, mm-hmm. you know, right behind you. It's really... And the more you do it, the, the calmer you know you you know the tools. You can find a solution to every problem. You can talk your way with an actor with a cameraman finding a staging that works. And and you know, on the third movie, I felt I had enough control. Yeah. To be able to deliver the movie, I thought needed to be delivered.
1: So what um, what is it that because we're actually we getting kind of close. What what do you want to promote now? Like what do you? Oh, I don't know.
0: I was I'm happy I mean we can talk about anything I mean the strain I'm happy is going great and Crimson Peak coming up I Crimson Peak yeah I think someone yeah I see a question from the back Oh, Book of Life. Book of all right. Life, I, I, everybody. Book of Life. Book of Life. Yeah, coming out in October, and uh, a beautiful animated movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Book of Life looks yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, it is That's gorgeous. all
1: that, like, the Dia de los Muertos. Uh, yes. oh, It's so yeah, the, stunning. They're... I saw that the trailer It stunning.
0: is, and, and that's, why, that, that's why we all... I mean, we've been working on it for now five years or six oh years. And, uh, well, no wonder you forgot what's coming out. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's... I mean, uh, uh, I was just chatting. You know, I was having a hotel, <laughs> but, but no, it's coming out. It's gorgeous. It's, it's really quite unique. I think it's a slice of Mexico in a way, musically fantastic music, visually amazing journey to, to a palette of colors, shapes that is so profoundly linked to who we are, Jorge, the director and myself as Mexicans. You know, it is so intrinsic to who we are in, in the world that it was great to be able to express it by supporting Jorge. It's his first film. I, I, Gravitate a lot to producing first-time directors, and that's why I watch all these strange movies. Mm, Because I think, and I watch a lot of shorts. And uh, and when somebody gives me a short, I make it a point to try and watch it and write back. Sometimes I fall behind, but I try to do it. And with Jorge, is the fact that you're discovering a new type of voice. Like this movie doesn't look like every other talking animal. CGI animated movie out there, it has a real personality visually, uh, orally with the with the music and so forth, and it's great to to help usher those things into the world.
1: You know? Yeah, people should you should look up uh, Book of Life because the the, the trailer is, is stunning. It's, it's so, gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah. What do you think are What do you think? Uh, what is what is what is there about Mexican culture that you feel like that America doesn't really understand? When you and they, they, are there things about Mexican culture that you would want people here to to know or or how do do we get it wrong
0: well i mean i think that we all we all have a blind side to some form of the culture you know of every culture like uh, it's just the complexity of mexico is so great the food is for example is so complex you know uh, it goes way beyond what you normally associate with uh, fast mexican food Mm -hmm. you know and the the music is the same way. Why well, go is the beyond way.
2: that? You perfected food with chili relleno. <laughs> There's
0: no need. It is. We don't have to go past that. It is. It's, 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 it's the dish and the plate at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> now, but, but it's like you don't need the plate okay. for that. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but the same thing is true of me, of music, you know. And one thing that I love about Book of Life is that uh, it it has the complexity of what Mexico is, not was, is. We live in a country that is as much shaped by uh, our tradition and our roots as it was by Bruce Lee movies mm-hmm. or punk or ska. And, and Book of Life has uh, a fusion of everything that has made us, I think, who we are as a culture. And it's an incredibly, it's not a piece of folklore. It's a piece of living living art. And that that's why, because... You you get this folkloric idea of Mexico, and then you find the country is incre- shockingly modern, shockingly vital, and you know has many more facets to it than than you imagined at first. How often do you get to go home? I go less now than I used to because of the kidnappings, you know. And my dad was kidnapped in '98, uh, so after I don't think I knew that. Yes, yeah, so we free him after 72 days. Oh my God! And uh, and you know after that. There's a real concern. Yeah. When I go back, there's some people that kidnap him that are still at loose, Ugh. and you know you don't take it lightly. No. You have to go there with precautions and this and that, which is a shame because it's a thing of me that I that I think died a little after my dad kidnapping. I wanted to make uh, uh, stories that were very rooted in Mexico as director and and. Uh, you know, a Spanish uh, intellectual saw Devil's Bagon and he said, you realize it, it's a Mexican movie? And I go, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's more Mexican than Spanish. I said, yeah, I understand the aesthetics and the passion and this and that, but it's because uh, something was robbed of me when my dad was uh, kidnapped and, and we got him back, but, so I'm thankful, but, but I lost uh, a part of who I am or was that I don't think I'll ever get back.
1: Was it ever a story that you thought you wanted to tell?
0: No, you know, there there is a particular story that I learned during the kidnapping of my father. It was told to me by, by one of the negotiators because we went through three negotiators in 72 days. And that I someday want to write as a short story because it's an incredibly shocking tale. But other than that, what is tragic is I think the best <laughs> portrayal of a kidnapping is mm-hmm. is the sort of tragic comedy on Fargo
2: right yeah, you know because yeah,
0: yeah. because it's so pregnant with sort of crappy everyday things you know you go they say we need to record uh, the kidnapping uh, the the calls and I go and I, I go to a radio shack and then the the woman at the radio Shack He's in no hurry uh, to sell me the recorder. And he goes, How much is the R six fifty five? And in the meantime, I'm I'm crapping in my pants because they're calling in two minutes. Right. The guys are calling to 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 negotiate in two minutes, and I I go like, take the money, give me the thing. Things like I mean, there are so many anecdotes during the kidnapping. But ultimately, I'm not objective enough to either talk about it. It's something that didn't happen to me. It happened to my brother, my sister, my mother, yeah. my father. And I find it profoundly uh, affecting, and I, you know, I don't want to touch into something that is, touches so many people's spirit and soul. Right, it's very close. It's too close, and I still like seeing my family and being in speaking terms with them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I guess enough time hadn't passed then yeah. after yeah. all these years. No, but, 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 the, but it really, there are the little things that you learn that you go, it's a slap to the forehead. Yeah. Uh, the things that, that, the real kidnappings, like I would get, we would get the ransom notes and, you know, the, 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 there are many syntax and spelling errors. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're affected by it. I cannot explain to you how, I can only tell you it does affect you. You, you realize the, there's a person on the other side, these are not cute cut letters yeah. pasted in perfect ransom Hollywood movie way. This is somebody that somewhat didn't know how to read or write correctly. And that affects you if, you're, if you have enough of a sensibility for it, you know. And, and, and it's, it's, it's pregnant with the real world, the kidnapping, where you go... That's, that's, that's kind of sad, but at the same time, so real.
1: Well, know? yeah, because you used to, you know, if you don't have any experience with that, obviously the only experience that you have are seeing, you know, one-dimensional representations of oh, yeah. like, oh, this must be what a kidnapping is like. You take the E from
2: People magazine. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: No, but, you, you know, the funny, funny thing is one, one of the most realistic representations of kidnapping, because most of the negotiators in the big kidnappings in Latin America come from England. They come from a firm that specializes on that. And, uh, and uh, one of the most real, until, it's a, it's a, a proof of life, until Russell Crowe falls in love with Meg Ryan, then, <laughs> then <laughs> nothing's real. And after, after that Including truly... Meg's career. It, beca- it, no, it, it, become, it becomes a, a rom-com drama, yeah. whatever it becomes is not real. But the first part is exactly how it happens. You you call a negotiator. The negotiator shows up, gives you the ground rules. He tells you this is what you can do and you cannot do, and you're not going to argue any of this with me. You are so ill prepared for a kidnapping. You think you did the right thing on the first phone call. You did the wrong thing. Mm. You think your your impulse, what you are raised to believe, is what you should do, and you you are advised to do exactly the opposite. Like you know, it's so shocking.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm. I think it goes without saying that I'm glad everything worked out okay. Yeah, I did.
0: I mean, uh, again, what you lose, you can. I can complain about losing this, losing that. What we were able to preserve, which is my dad, his life, ultimately the family, in whatever form it survives, I'm eternally grateful. I can't complain about the things I lost. This, this was the winner was him walking in the door, Mm. you know, after seventy two days.
1: So what is uh, as we're kind of wrapping down here? Is it, wh- what are you up to this week? Are you uh, are you working well,
0: on? Well, we we are we are uh, promoting the strain. You know, uh, we are in the second chapter, in the second episode. We uh, are starting to discuss the possibility of where we would go mm-hmm. on a second season, breaking down the book, having meetings with the writers and so forth. awaiting a decision on that. Uh um at the same time prepping a very small movie, and in three weeks, at the same time, in three weeks, we open the first day of nine months of design for Pacific Rim 2. Oh, it takes nine months to design a movie like that. So uh, you go up, you open that room, you start uh, <laughs> uh, pre-production here. Uh, we're finishing a first-time director movie in Mexico. Uh, many, many things. Wow. Uh,
1: do you Do you still go to bed at night or wake up in the morning and say, uh, I can't believe I get to do all the shit that I get to do.
0: I, I don't know how. See, the, the, thing that is, the thing that I find shocking, I, I bless the fact that this is my line of work and this is what I do for a living. I wake up uh, when I'm, I, I see my monsters around me in my office and so forth. But what is really mind-boggling to me is that whatever you know I do, the novels, the books, the TV, blah, 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 I do without an office. It's me. Oh, wow. It's like me, Ian, my personal assistant, and that's it. Like, I don't have a staff. I don't have 30 people. I don't... It's, it's me. So that, that, I still don't know. There's like a quantum physics equation <laughs> that I discovered in the chiller relleno. <laughs> <laughs> to do all these things because I do them. I really do them. And I don't know. I still don't know how. And there was a, there's a great story to, to finish where Mexico, the city of Mexico, which now has 20-something million people, uh, in the 1980s, the president called uh, urban uh, designers from all over the world to analyze the city. And they came. They looked at the traffic. They looked at the statistics, the census, the number of cars. And they said, look, uh, we want to tell you one thing. We looked at the model, and in paper, it shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So however it's working, don't touch it. <laughs> and I feel that's my professional life. <laughs> well, it's, it's
1: always great to see you. Here, please man. come back anytime you want. We will. Yeah. And I'm excited about... I'm excited they are working on pac Room too, but I'm, also ex- I'm so excited for Book of Life, I can't even tell yeah. you. Um,
0: October. October. Are you
2: going to be at Comic-Con at all?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going there. Uh, I'm going to go... Uh, hopefully with a very discreet uh, disguise very to nice. go on very nice. to go on the floor. If without... you
2: see me out there, just yell "Chili Riano." Yeah, yeah, children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: if you see me out there and you and you identify me, tell me so I can get a better disguise. Yeah. I, I'm, go- I'm going there with like a farmer in a tractor show with a sweaty wad of bills <laughs> <laughs> to buy stuff in cash.
1: You know, uh, get there so, early because preview night's real crowded now.
0: Oh, I'll be there with a with with, with oh, a. I'm going to go to
2: preview night. I want that porkins. Yep. Oh, porkins. you're going to get the porkins. Oh, yeah, 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 the porkins. Gentle gentle yeah, giant porkins did, yeah. Gotta the porkins I got to get that. Yeah, that's, the, the that's right. The baddest guy in Star Wars. Come on. <laughs> who made, who <laughs> made <laughs> that guy? Uh Gentle Giant, I think. Oh, okay, made, cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: Excellent. Uh cool company. Enjoy yeah. Comic
2: Con if you're going and enjoy your burrito, everyone. And Chiloriano. Enjoy your Wrap that in a burrito. Have a good time. You're welcome. Oh, I'm mad at that